Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst, Glenn Kirshner. Once again, our long-form weekend podcast starts off with a legal recap of the week. The first story is good news for those hoping for accountability in the January 6th attack at the Capitol, as we learn the final verdict in the Proud Boys trial. Here's Glenn. Welcome to my audio podcast, Justice Matters. As you may know, we take on legal issues of the past week, and then we talk about reform, reforming something in our government, something that is broken, something that needs to be fixed, something that needs to be addressed or improved. And we try to talk about real, achievable, common sense fixes, improvements, solutions. And you know, friends, we can't just wait around for heroes, right? Bob Mueller, Merrick Garland, Jack Smith. You know, these are not the people who are going to write this American ship. You know, they're not the ones who are going to save us. We are the ones who are going to save us. The Mullers, the Garlands, the Smiths, you know, they're doing important work. They have done important work. And yes, I will say Jack Smith in particular has been moving a hundred miles an hour in the direction of accountability, justice even, And I am optimistic that indictments are coming. Federal indictments are coming. And we're gonna talk about where we are on the legal front in New York, in Georgia, in Washington, D.C., because we are getting there, friends. I'm telling you, we're getting there. And then we're gonna transition into, if not a reform discussion, then at least some of what can, should, and must be done to fix some of what ails us in government. And we're gonna focus, at least in part, on corrupt Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. We're gonna talk about the real world fix to the problem of a compromised justice on the Supreme Court of the United States. But first, let's start with our legal recap. The so-called Proud Boys, the hateful, dangerous, racist, xenophobic, homophobic, misogynistic group of miscreants, the Proud Boys. You know what a DC jury just said about the Proud Boys? Guilty, 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 and guilty. It feels good to say that five times because there were five Proud Boys on trial for seditious conspiracy and a whole bunch of other crimes they committed at the Capitol on January 6th. And after a four-month trial, the jury convicted 
defendants Enrique Tario, Ethan Nordine, Joseph Biggs, Zachary Real, and Dominic Pozzola of multiple crimes for what they did on January 6th. But friends, there's one aspect of these convictions that is most consequential for Trump and company. And let's not bury the lead. Here it is. Enrique Tario, leader of the Proud Boys, was convicted of seditious conspiracy and a whole bunch of other crimes, crimes that were committed at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, and Enrique Tario wasn't even there. He didn't set foot on Capitol property that day. He wasn't even in the District of Columbia on January 6th. Nevertheless, he was convicted of a whole bunch of crimes even though he wasn't there. That is so damn important. And here's why. A message has been sent concretely by both the Department of Justice in the way it chose to charge the Proud Boys and by virtue of the jury's verdict, convicting Enrique Tario of a whole bunch of crimes at the Capitol, even though he wasn't there. You know who else wasn't at the Capitol on January 6th? Steve Bannon, Mike Flynn, Roger Stone, Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Mark Meadows, Donald Trump, and other members of the hierarchy of the insurrection, the command structure of the insurrection, the ruling class criminals. So I would say to them, buckle up, fellas, because your ride just got a little bumpier as a result of the jury verdict against Enrique Tario and the rest of the Proud Boys because Enrique Tario was convicted, found guilty, even though he wasn't there. Now, friends, let's do a quick Team Justice Law School class. And I want to take on the issue of precedent. What is precedent? There are different kinds of precedent. What does precedent mean? Well, most directly in the law, it means that when an appellate court decides an issue and announces its opinion, that opinion is precedent. In other words, the courts that are below that appellate court in the same jurisdiction have to follow that precedent. Whatever it is the appellate court hands down is the law in that jurisdiction. Whether it's an interpretation of a statute or a, a decision about a particular set of facts and circumstances. So for example, when the Supreme Court decides an issue, that issue becomes precedent that must be followed by all lower federal courts. That's the most precise definition of the word precedent in, in a legal context, but there are other kinds of precedent. You know, for example, we're always hearing people say, you know, Donald Trump is doing something unprecedented. Well, what does that mean? It means that he's doing something that has never been done before. It has nothing to do with appellate court opinions. If Donald Trump does something that is unprecedented, it just means nobody's done it before. That's what I would call factual precedent. Here's another example of factual 
precedent. New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg indicted Donald Trump, a former president of the United States. Now that's not legal precedent. That's not an appellate court making a decision that lower courts must follow, but it sure is factual precedent because a former president has never before been criminally indicted. Some of them probably should have, in my opinion, but it's never happened before. So when Alvin Bragg, district attorney from Manhattan, did it, he set a factual precedent. Never again can anybody say it's unprecedented for a former president to be indicted for his crimes. Well, not anymore, it's not. And frankly, nobody more richly deserves to be indicted for his crimes than Donald Trump. So we have legal precedent, we have factual precedent, and then we have something that I call atmospheric precedent. And full disclosure, friends, I probably made that term up, but I'm going to run with it. And here's what I mean by atmospheric precedent. The fact that a D.C. jury just convicted Enrique Tarrio for a whole bunch of crimes committed at the Capitol on January 6th, even though he was not there, is what I would refer to as atmospheric precedent. Why? Well, because it sets a tone. It sends a signal to those ne'er-do-wells whose names I listed a few minutes ago, Steve Bannon, Mike Flynn, Roger Stone, Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Mark Meadows, Donald Trump. You know, the gentleman you too can, and I maintain will, be convicted for what happened at the Capitol even though you were not there. Atmospheric precedent has been set. And it's been done concretely by the Department of Justice and by a terrific, thoughtful jury in the District of Columbia convicting the Proud Boys. And I will say it one more time to that parcel of rogues, Steve Bannon, Mike Flynn, Roger Stone, Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Mark Meadows, Donald Trump, buckle up, fellas, because your ride is about to get a little bit more bumpy. Because justice matters. Coming up next, Donald Trump's sexual assault and defamation trial is now winding to a close. And Glenn gives us his prediction of what the jury will say. This is Justice Matters. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
As Donald Trump's sexual assault and defamation trial in New York sets up for closing arguments, Glenn weighs the evidence presented and tells us what he thinks about the trial so far. Okay, friends, let's head up to New York because Donald Trump's sexual assault and defamation trial brought against him by E. Jean Carroll is wrapping up. And friends, predicting a jury's verdict is a fool's errand. So let me go ahead and be a little bit foolish here for a minute. If I had to place money on what the jury's verdict is likely going to be, now mind you, I'm not a gambler, and I'm certainly not a high roller. One dollar is my betting limit. Well, I would bet a buck that the New York jury is going to find in favor of E. Jean Carroll. The centerpiece of Trump's defense, a defense that was delivered by Donald Trump's lead attorney and attack dog, Joey Takapina, forget about it. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen this guy perform on TV, but holy smokes, Joey Takapina. The main defense they have leveled, the main attacks they launched against E. Jean Carroll over and over and over again is, well, she didn't scream. You didn't yell. You claim Donald Trump was raping you and you didn't scream. Therefore, it didn't happen. You know what, friends? That's a disgusting attack on a sexual assault victim. You know, if somebody says that they were robbed, we don't cross-examine them in court and say, you didn't scream while you were being robbed. Therefore, you weren't robbed. Oh, your home was burglarized and you didn't scream? Well, then there was no burglary. Your car was stolen and you didn't scream? Well, then those crimes just didn't happen because you didn't scream. You know what, friends? I embrace every defendant's Sixth Amendment right to confront and cross-examine their accuser. But that doesn't mean defense attorneys like Joey Takapina should get to demean insult, belittle, sexual assault victims. I know it's our system. I just think we should do better by crime victims generally and sexual assault victims specifically. But here's the thing, friends. The jury not only heard the strong, steady testimony of E. Jean Carroll, but it heard from other sexual assault victims who had been attacked by Donald Trump. And the jury also heard from at least one, maybe two, what I will call outcry witnesses. One of E. Jean Carroll's friends, who back in the 90s when Donald Trump sexually assaulted E. Jean Carroll, within minutes, E. Jean Carroll called her friends and reported it to her. You know, you don't call your good friend privately and tell them that you were just attacked by Donald Trump if you're making it up. And the jury also heard the Access Hollywood tape. Donald Trump, through his own words on that tape, shared with the jury his MO, his method of operation, his modus operandi. And that is, you've heard it, I'm a star. I walk up to women. I grab them by the P, I'm not gonna use the word. When you're a star, they let you do it. 
And I would argue to the jury that implicit in that statement of Donald Trump, that Access Hollywood tape where he described in the most despicable terms what he does to women, what his habit is, what his practice is, what his MO is, I would say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you can actually infer one more sentence based on what you heard on that Access Hollywood tape. And no, Donald Trump didn't say it, but it really is implied in what Donald Trump was caught saying on that Access Hollywood tape. He said, you know, I walk up to women and I grab them by the pee. When you're a star, they let you do it. And you know what? Most of the time, they don't even scream. Friends, there is no requirement that a sexual assault victim scream in order to convict the attacker. When people are sexually assaulted, and I handled rape and sexual assault cases as a prosecutor going back into the 1980s, when people are sexually assaulted, they go into shock. Sometimes they are scared, they are petrified for their lives. They believe if they scream, the attack might escalate. They are stunned, they don't know how to react or what to do. Survival instincts kick in and sometimes that instinct is if I, if I just keep quiet, he'll move through this and he'll get the hell away from me. There's no requirement in the law that a sexual assault victim scream. So I hope the jury is persuaded by the evidence and rules in favor of E. Jean Carroll because Donald Trump told us who he is and what he does to women. Coming up next, even more sketchy payments by Harlan Crow to Justice Clarence Thomas have been revealed. Is there anything that can be done? This is Justice Matters. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The list is growing as more and more reports surface regarding financial indiscretions by Clarence Thomas and his wife, Ginny. The credibility of the Supreme Court has been compromised, but what can we do? Here's Glenn. Okay, friends, let's turn our attention to our corrupt and compromised United States Supreme Court. The news about Clarence Thomas and the steady stream of unreported and undisclosed gifts and benefits and income is pretty damn staggering. 
And as if it wasn't enough that billionaire Republican mega donor Harlan Crow was dumping millions of dollars, you know, into lavish trips and accommodations for Clarence Thomas and his wife and co-justice, Ginny Thomas, not to mention Harlan Crow buying Thomas's mother's house, dumping tens of thousands of dollars of improvements into that house, and then letting her live there rent-free. Well, now this week we learned that Harlan Crow was also paying the school tuition for Clarence Thomas's grandnephew, who Thomas raised as a son and for whom Clarence Thomas was legal guardian. And friends, I have a feeling that that just scratches the surface of the financial improprieties of Clarence Thomas, the access and influence that that billionaire Republican mega donor purchased from Clarence Thomas deeply damages the legitimacy and the credibility of our Supreme Court. So the question is, as it often is, what the hell can be done about it? Because Congress just seems to flounder around. Now, please understand me, that is not a criticism of Congress, though I'm always happy to criticize Congress, but you know, they don't have a whole lot of power and authority over the Supreme Court. You know, the Supreme Court views itself as a royal court. The Supreme Court doesn't view itself as the pinnacle of the law. It views itself as above the law and above any applicable rules of ethics, which frankly is just stone cold insanity in a civilized government. And Sheldon Whitehouse and Dick Durbin and the others in the Senate try mightily to find ways to install some ethical guardrails around the Supreme Court. They invited Chief Justice John Roberts to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and Roberts just thumbed his nose at the Senate, reaffirming that he believes the Supreme Court is not the pinnacle of the law, but is above the law. So again, the question becomes what the hell can be done to stop the rampant corruption and compromise at the Supreme Court. And so this is where we're gonna slide right into our reform discussion. And this one is not so much about reform, it's simply about using the existing powers and authorities of our government to put a stop to corruption in our government. And friends, I've said it before and I'll say it again, this ain't rocket science. Based on public reporting, Clarence Thomas appears to have violated federal law by failing to disclose things on his required public financial disclosure forms that he should have disclosed, that he was legally required to have disclosed. And additionally, when somebody else pays for your kid's tuition, when somebody else pays for the tuition of somebody you are raising as your own and for whom you have legal guardianship, there are very likely tax implications 
when that money pours into your household. If Clarence Thomas refused to report on his financial disclosure forms millions of dollars of perks and trips and house purchases and tuition payments that a billionaire Republican mega donor made to him? Do you think Thomas accurately reported all of this de facto income on his tax returns? Now look, I'm not a tax lawyer. In fact, tax is a four-letter word as far as I'm concerned. But one thing I know is that you damn well better pay your taxes and you damn well better report what you're required to report because if you don't, the IRS may come knocking on your door. That is not a game that should be played by anyone and certainly not by government officials and certainly not by Supreme Court justices. So friends, the fix for this problem, a Supreme Court justice who it appears violated federal statutes requiring financial disclosures and perhaps even violated our tax laws, the fix to this problem is to investigate those suspected crimes. And if the evidence supports it, to indict people for their crimes. You know, this is the executive branch's obligation, its sworn duty. It is the obligation of the Department of Justice and the FBI and the IRS. It's their obligation to do these things, not just for some poor hump low-level businessman or businesswoman who may have violated tax laws or some school teacher or plumber who maybe didn't report all their income, but it's also for Supreme Court justices and anybody else who may have violated federal statutes requiring financial disclosures or who may have violated tax laws. You know, friends, the fix for what ails America is simple enforce the laws of the United States of America. Whether it's insurrectionists in Congress who have not yet been held accountable, whether it's judges who are nominated to the Supreme Court and then misrepresent, deceive, and lie to senators under oath during their confirmation hearings in their determination to be confirmed to the Supreme Court so they can do the exact opposite of what they testified they would do? Whether it's a former attorney general who weaponized and corrupted the Department of Justice or former high DOJ officials like, like Jeffrey Clark who joined Donald Trump's conspiracy to overturn a presidential election or whether it's a former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, who based on public reporting may have criminal liability for who knows how many crimes, the fix for what ails America is simple and basic. Enforce the laws of the United States against the ruling class criminals, not just the rest of us. Because you know, it's not just a trite saying, but justice matters. Right? In this country, justice is supposed to matter, and it's supposed to be equally applied. Equal justice across the spectrum, 
not applied to just the poor, the indigent, the minority, the people who have no power, no influence, no connections. You know, it's supposed to be applied equally to the rich, to the connected, to the influential, to the political. Equal justice for all. Yes, it's an aspiration, right? It's a goal we have never reached. It's a goal that, you know, is probably still so far off on the horizon you can barely see it, even with the most powerful binoculars, but, but it's out there. You know, and like I say, friends, there is no one hero who will get us there. We are the ones who will get us there. And that is why we fight this fight. Because justice matters. Coming up next, Glenn tells us some events where he'll be appearing in public. This is Justice Matters. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. There are many ways you can help fight crime by joining coalitions to push for new laws. Glenn tells us how you can become part of Team Justice and how you can see him appearing live in person. Friends, thank you for joining me for this episode of Justice Matters. If you'd like to know where else you can find me, you can dial me up on YouTube, my YouTube channel, Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner. You can visit my website, glennkirshner.com. You're always free to go to my website, leave me a message there. I try to respond to as many as I can. I always welcome your suggestions for podcast topics, whether it has to do with governmental reform or, or anything else. I'm also on the social medias, you know, like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at Glenn Kirshner 2 my name, and then the number two. Uh, you can find me popping up on MSNBC. I've been a legal analyst with them now for five years, and pretty much every day you can find me somewhere or another on MSNBC or on NBC's other platforms like News Now or Peacock Streaming. Yesterday I was, uh, I was busy. I was on five times over the course of the day because of the Proud Boys verdict, and I have to admit, by the time 10 p.m., rolled around and I was making my last appearance with Lawrence O'Donnell. I was, I was pretty worn out. And also, if you're interested in true crime documentaries, you can, uh, 
You can find a two-part documentary called Who Killed Robert Wan on Peacock Streaming. It is the most confounding case I ever handled in my 30 years as a prosecutor, and I invite you not only to watch it, but on the off chance you have any information that would help answer the question posed in the title, Who Killed Robert Wan? I would love to hear from you. There's actually a police tip line that is on the documentary. You can call the Metropolitan Police Department and provide any information you have about who killed Robert Wan. And I'll actually be presenting at CrimeCon this year down in Orlando, Florida in uh, September about not only that case and the documentary about that case, but also I'll be discussing the Homicide Victims Families Rights Act. That is the legislation that I worked on for years that was ultimately uh, sponsored by Congressman Eric Swalwell and signed into law by President Biden last August. It helps bring help and hope to homicide families, people who had a loved one taken from them via violent crime. Once their loved one's case grows cold, it's an unsolved murder, there is some hope because those families will have a legal right, a statutory right to require a review and reinvestigation of their loved one's murder case. So uh, help is on the way there. And then one last plug. I think Johnny Carson used to ask his guests, so you have anything you want to plug? One last plug. I'll be joining Stephanie Miller once again on stage in California at the Sabin Theater in October for her Sexy Liberals Tour. I don't know that I have any right being involved in anything called the Sexy Liberals Tour, but I have joined Steph on stage a couple of times previously, once for her show in D.C., when I got to be on stage with Congressman Jamie Raskin discussing legal and political issues of the day, and then once previously out in California with writer, director, comedian, and true justice warrior Rob Reiner. And I'm really excited about heading back out to California and doing, doing it again in October. And of course, you can always find me right here on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. You know, during the week, we post episodes that are exclusively legal recap podcasts. And then, as you know, on the weekends, we air it out and we talk about the legal stories of the prior week. We do deeper dives into each story. And then, of course, we try to tackle some issue of reform. You know, like one of my pet projects, and I'm going to finish with that, I promise, friends, is adding 22 words to the federal oath of office. You know the one, you've heard it before. I took it many times. Maybe you all have too if you were federal government employees or you were in the military. And you know it says among other things that I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I am proposing, and I hope you will join me in this proposal. Just send it to your elected representatives and say this is something that can help improve ethics in government, those 22 magical words. And I will promptly report all instances 
of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Please write your elected officials if you believe that there should be a sworn duty and obligation to report crime that you discover being committed by government officials and employees rather than us having to endure what we have endured for years under the reign of Donald Trump, where his corrupt executive branch officials would hide, conceal, secrete the crimes of Donald Trump, only to write about them later in a book so they could profit off of them. If we amend the oath of office to include those additional 22 words, we can change the culture and the expectation, indeed the obligation to report the crimes of the Donald Trumps of the world in real time. That will have an impact. No, not everybody obeys their oath of office. We saw Trump and company violate their oath of office daily by not supporting and defending the Constitution. But here's the thing, if every government official had a sworn obligation to report the crimes of other government officials and employees, then you've turned everybody into a mandatory reporter. That will deter misconduct, crime, corruption in government. I'm sure of it, friends. So please, 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 if you find this either persuasive or at least one way to start improving ethics in government, just write your elected representatives and urge them to modify the oath of office. It is just a statute. It's just a federal law that sets out the words included in that federal oath. Ask them to add those 22 words. And I will promptly report all instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Like I say, friends, we're the only ones who are gonna save us. So let's get after it. As always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon.